The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Here we go, Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Put the tissues away. For the last three weeks, you and I have sat here and have cried, cried all episode long about the state of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that will not be the case today. This team, sans Morgan Riley, and without John Tavares for two of three, has rattled off three wins in a row. You know, full transparency, traditionally... When the Leafs go on a bit of a a winning streak, anyone who makes Leaf content knows the Leafs winning and being good is not the best for business in that sense. If there's one thing that drives engagement uh, for Leaf fans, a few things actually, it's losing streaks, trades, and playoffs. However, I think you and I are both relieved to come on here today and have a different type of conversation than the one we've had the last three or so episodes. But not really that different if you think about it. Because there have been things that, especially you have been beating a drum all season about giving players certain opportunities in the lineup for them to succeed. And what have they done during this win streak through... um. It's been involuntary because guys have gotten suspended, guys have been sick, guys have been injured. But through that, what happens? Other guys get an opportunity to play a bigger role on a team instead of putting the same four guys out over the boards. And look what happens when that when when they get that opportunity. I don't want to be negative, so I'm not going to sit here and and do what I usually do, which is go on some tirade about Sheldon Keefe. But what I am going to say is losing Morgan Riley to suspension, losing Tavares to illness, Marner for one game to illness, put Sheldon in a place where he had to do what you just said, elevate guys and give guys more of an opportunity. And look what happens. Bobby McMahon is turning into a blossoming goal scorer. Max Domi looks as engaged as he's looked all season. Timothy Lilligren has taken a step that we've all been waiting for him to take and is playing like a top defenseman because he's giving, being given the opportunity to be a top defenseman. Yeah, he's moving the puck and, around. And we've had lots of conversations this year about, you know, is this team mid? Is this roster mid? And listen, in terms of like overall talent in the Matthews era, yes, this, this is not the most talented group the team has ever had. But I think what is jumping off the screen is or continues to jump off the screen, rather, is what a problem Sheldon Keefe is when it comes to deploying this roster. And I just hope that one thing that comes from this little stretch here is his realization that when you put players in a chance, if you give players the opportunity to succeed and put them in positive situations, they can they can produce for you. And it, it amazes me that we we've got to... February and it's this is just now clicking in his brain and the only reason why it's clicking in his brain is because he was it's out of necessity he was forced to do this 
Yeah, I mean, Timothy Lilligren has been hilarious to watch. Like, all of a sudden, the guy's just moving the puck, making plays, getting points. This guy was useless two weeks ago, and now he's getting an opportunity. He's playing a lot better. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, even. You find them. Austin Matthews handed him a goal on a silver platter. Austin which was Matthews awesome. is so good that he can bust Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, slump. yeah. Austin yeah. Matthews in such a role right now where he could just. That was like the best player on your on a house league team setting up the the worst play like, to help him know, get a goal. To yeah, help to him help. get a goal. Yeah, but he has gotten a lot of opportunities. It, yeah, it, it is. It's fun to watch. Now, now, what I will say is. The St. Louis Blues did not come in here and play their best hockey. They uh, the, the the Flyers, they came in, they that was a good win for them. And then they played just an abomination that, of yeah, a hockey team. Yeah, that Ducks team. team. They didn't even the try. They that didn't was even, that, that was awful. Yes. They were awful. Yes. That that same Ducks team beat the Ottawa Senators who just beat the Leafs last weekend uh, 5-1 on Thursday night. And that same goalie that they chased made Lucas Dostal. 60 saves against them <laughs> about a month and a half ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is just, that is, they, they were leafing like no other on Saturday night. You, you, we, we criticize them for playing crappy teams and having a bad record against crappy teams. But if you come in here, if you come into Scotiabank Arena, or if they go on the road, if you're a lesser team or a team that decides that they you don't want to play physical, no, oh, they will they will skate right through you. I know there was some rough stuff after the whistles, but in terms of just the shift by shift physicality and work ethic coming out of the Ducks, if if you're not if you're playing like that against the Leafs, they are going to leaf you. Well, yeah, and the physicality, I think that game was really exposed. What a the type of guy Radko Gudis is. Like yeah, he'll, yeah, he's a he'll, weasel. He'll scream in, in Joe Wall's face and he'll fight Max Domi, but when Ryan Reeves goes over and wants to have a talk with him, he skates away. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was not. pretty funny to watch him get dunked on like that. No, but he got dunked on hard yes. last night. Another thing I want to point out with respect to Keefe is I think what this week has also shown you as to why Keefe continues to be a huge problem is losing key guys is sort of a thing. I've used the word galvanize on this podcast over and over and over again. And losing these key guys galvanizes the Leafs and it kind of wakes them up a little bit because I don't think the head coach has any impact when it comes to getting this team fired up, getting them locked into play. I don't think he has any impact at all. I don't think they listen to him whatsoever so I think losing key guys they kind of look around the room and go all right we're gonna step up and then he because he's forced to puts guys in an elevated opportunity and you get what you get this week and it just shows that like you know we've been looking at the trade deadline going who are they gonna bring in who are they gonna bring in when in reality it's like yes you'd love a, a another talented defenseman and I, that is who I think they should try and pursue whether they do that or not but you look at the forward depth and you're going, wait a minute, like they could, Max Domi can be a factor going forward. Bobby McMahon can be a factor going forward if these guys are put in situations to succeed. I saw a great tweet before you and I jumped on here, actually, that said, in previous years, if they would have gone and got Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi at the deadline, we would have sat and said, perfect. This is exactly what they need. That, that's are- what we said before the season. Yes. That's what we said when they signed here. Yes. That, that, 
it's the same thing. I need to have a discussion here, okay? Because there's been a lot of crying. There's been a lot of just points being thrown around all year. A lot of criticism coming from us, coming from the fan base. But there's one thing that I just looked at on my laptop. And it, it is coming a trend year after year. The Toronto Maple Leafs are second in the NHL in power play percentage. They have been in the top five in power play percentage for probably as long as this era has happened. This Keith era, even even going back to Babcock, they've been a top five power play. But yet, when you watch the games, you get so frustrated with their power play and you think they're shit. But if 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 we're going to criticize them for a lot of different things... Should we be like looking at ourselves as a fan base and being like, maybe we should lay off the power play a little bit? Like they're second in the NHL in power play. Yeah, and I think one thing that I think has changed this year with the Guy Boucher version of the power play is Matthews is in the position where he's shooting. I think actually Matthews has looked at his game over the past couple seasons and he's he's been putting in the wrist shots. He's been getting free and getting the, those banging goals. But the one thing he was missing was that Stamkos OV one-timer and through reports, through video, through the broadcast, this guy's clearly working on his one-timer. Yes, yes. So that developing that part of his game is why he's almost at 50 goals already. Uh, that, I, that was the one thing he was missing as a top. He already was the top goal scorer in the league. But now adding that to his arsenal, it's it's game over. And that's why he's nine goals ahead of the next best guy. He's at almost at 50 goals because he's actually taken the time to develop that one-timer. And that's why their power play looks way better now, with, way more dangerous. With respect to the power play, I, I think I would like to see Tyler Bertuzzi take John Tavares' spot on PP1 for a few weeks and see see how that goes. I think, I think Bertuzzi excels by banging in greasy goals, and I think Keefe hasn't put him in a ton of positions this year in order to do that, which is why his numbers have suffered. Like, I don't think Tyler Bertuzzi, like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to watch that guy and go, this guy isn't a super... Like, he's not a very good transition hockey player. There's been... I've... I've rare, I think the other night against the Blues was the first time I've ever seen him take the puck from behind the net and skate it past yeah, the red line by not, himself. Yeah, that's not that that's not his game, but I do think like parking his ass in front of the net and banging in a greasy goal is where he can excel. And I think Tavares has been pretty average for a while now, and I think you need to you're at a position and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. I think you're in a position where you need to start looking with one year left on his deal at transitioning John Tavares into a new role on this hockey team, whether that's third line center, whether that's playing a wing, I don't know. And I think that includes power play. And I think giving Tyler Bertuzzi, I'm not saying it needs to be permanent, but I would like to see Bertuzzi get a few reps on power play one and see if he can be effective in but front of the this net. This is kind of my point, though, is Tyler Bertuzzi's been on the power play for three games, but they didn't jump to second in the league in, in three games. Like they've, They're second in the league because of their body of work all year, and that includes John Tavares yeah. on that power play. So... If we're going to come on here and criticize them week after week, I got to kind of look at myself in the mirror and maybe we got to calm down a little bit when it comes to this power play. Because with John Tavares on the power play, there's still a top two power play in the NHL. Yeah, I think. And, and, and I think it's because when they aren't 
scoring on the power play, it's just like really bad. Yes. Like just the back passes, it just looks ugly. But I got to look at myself in the mirror and be like, maybe I don't watch enough power plays around the NHL to really understand how like pretty good their power play is. And another part of that too is when the playoffs roll around, they don't score big power play goals when they need to. So that also factors in. But I just, I think if, since this is a whole positive episode and we're all, we're, we're not crying. I think I've just got to look at myself in the mirror and be like, maybe, you know what? Maybe got to lay off the power play in the regular season a little bit. Like, because like, look at them. Like the, there's some, there's some top teams, top teams, and they're all ahead of them. Like they'd be, we got to calm down a little bit when it comes to the power play a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you just hit on it. I think first of all, you've mentioned this a couple times over the years on this pod that like we sort of view this team through a microscope and a vacuum and we don't really pay attention. Like I don't sit and watch other teams power plays across the league. So, we sit and we we express frustration with the back pass or the the come over the blue line and the little flick pass to the side because when it doesn't work it looks awful or, or what happened against um, Philadelphia where they they gave up that shorthanded goal yes off yes like keep, what what was Keith's going on is going to explode yeah yes. that was that was terrible like yeah. the, there's there's things like that that also happen but, that factor like you said, in the proof is in the pudding with the numbers yeah last year they were I'm pretty sure they were number two in the league last year behind Edmonton now they're number two behind Tampa like. I mean, if if I'm gonna criticize, it's just it's just a weird thing that I saw it. I'm just maybe we need to calm down a little bit when it comes to criticizing these guys on the power play because they're converting better than all the top teams in the league, basically. So I don't know, just a weird thought. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. You touched on Austin Matthews there and... One of the things I wanted to bring up today was there has been a change in his overall demeanor, I find, this season in particular. I think he has really, I don't want to say matured because it sounds so like like condescending or whatever, but he... No, but it's true, though. Yeah, the point I'm trying to make is I think this is his hockey team now, and I think there needs to be a serious discussion in the offseason about 
transition, making him the captain of the team. And I think you need to position it as John Tavares saying, it's your team now. I'm on the back half of my career. You're the future here, so we're going to make you the captain. I really think it's time. I mentioned last week, I thought the way he carried himself through the All-Star weekend was fantastic. He's 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 being a leader. And you and I have one of the things in, in the six years we've done this podcast that we've talked about with him from time to time is we wait, we're waiting for him to take over a game. And he's done that now. Yeah, the, guy, to, the guy's fifty goals. Yeah, yeah, like it's, like, it's pretty ridiculous to be to be he's got where two hat tricks in a row. Yes, like to be where he's it's at. Insane. Yeah, to be where he's at. To be forty eight goals at this point in the season. It's literally insane. It is insane. And and he he's taking over games. He, he literally, I said earlier, he he single handedly broke Tyler Bertuzzi's slump. Yeah, he's apparently. He and Bobby McMahon are chumming it yeah, up in the best room now. Buds. Yeah, they're best buds. Yeah. Like. Has like forty eight goals in fifty two games. That I just is think ridiculous. A page, like we're already three quarters of the way through the season, or maybe not quite three quarters. I don't know. This ain't a math podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're in February in the NHL season. There's Thirty games left. Yeah, we're in February. Or something in, like that in the NHL season. So it's kind of is what it is for the rest of this year. But I do think in the off season, a, a, a page needs to be turned with this with this group. And I think the first thing is they need a new head coach, and I think they need. I think they need to make Austin Matthews the captain. I think it needs to be a whole thing where it's like, this is your team now, and it doesn't need to be a slap in the face to John Tavares. It doesn't need to be anything like that. It can just be, I'm on the back nine of my career. You've t- sort of taken the forefront of the leader of this team. Last night, the MVP chants are ringing through Scotiabank Arena. He's in the heart conversation again. Like, put, make this guy the captain of the hockey team. It's And you can debate the significance of a letter on a guy's jersey. Yeah, that, that's that's where I was going to go yeah. with this. You can bait the signif- debate the significance of that, but I just think symbolically this team needs to, to, to turn the page, and I think that's part of turning the page, is making him the captain of the team. Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go with it. It's it's what This was always Austin Matthews' team. This was, I never once looked at this team and said, this is John Tavares' hockey team. Like that, That's a joke. I think when they made him captain at the time, was, was Babcock the coach so, when they made him the captain? And there was all these rumors about who was going to be, and, and it's, I don't want to, I don't want to, all the speculation is that they were going to give it to Matthews, and then he had the mishap in the offseason with the. Yeah, that was tough. Yes, that was tough with the whole whatever he yeah, did. Yeah, I can't yeah. even remember. Yeah. But it, it was, was there yeah. was a situation that I think sort of influenced their decision, and I think Babcock wanted Tavares all along anyway. Yeah. And see, I think that at the time that kind of made, made sense. sense. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I they, they were still young. Johnny was coming over. It yeah, was made, he had experience captaining an NHL team. Yeah, I just I think. The point you made before that about John Tavares transitioning into a different role as a hockey player in the NHL is kind of where this all leads. And that kind of leads to him not being the captain anymore. But the only problem with that is they don't have enough centermen to for him to even switch positions or even go down to being a third line center because they just don't have enough centers. But why but- couldn't you why couldn't you make Pontus the third line center? Because Pontus is like, I mean, you could. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you, like, but they they don't they? have enough. Their center depth is is pretty awful. But also, I think I think if you if you move Tavares down the lineup, he theoretically won't get the matchups he's currently getting, and that'll sort of help him give him a bit more room. I guess I don't know. I just think one thing we know 
from watching Max Domi is Max Domi is significantly more effective when he's playing with good hockey players. So, so, so is every hockey player. So, yeah, but Domi in particular, though, man. Like, if he's got... The, the best games you've seen Domi play this year is when either John... Uh, is when either Mitch Marner or William Nylander have been on his wing. Yeah. I, I think the only thing Tavares can really do... Like, you can move him up and down the lineup. That's all well and good. But that, 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 that doesn't... That's not going to change the way he plays. He's just going to have to make a conscious decision to play a different way, to be more defensively responsible, to focus more. Like he's already one of the best centermen in the NHL with winning faceoffs, so that already leads into him being a better defensive centerman. But he he's not scoring forty goals this year. Like it's not happening, and he's just going to have to make a conscious decision to play a different style of hockey. In his whole life, he's been. He was the number one overall pick. He absolutely dominated the OHL back in the day. He was he was touted to be one of the best ever, really. And then he came in and he's kind of you look at his career. He's had a really great career. He's been a point of point of game player, as we've said over and over and over and over again in this podcast. But for John Tavares, it's gonna be it's just he's gonna have to learn how to play a different style of hockey as he gets older. And it's going to be, I think one of the most interesting things is going to be the contract, his next contract. That's going to be. Well, and that's, as we talk about him transitioning, that's kind of what I, what I mean is it's like, you're, you're not at a point where I think that you can be effective in a top six role all the time anymore. And then the, the argument for keeping him there is the fact that he makes 11 million. Well, he's got one more year left at 11 million. And as you and I and everyone else has said, if he's staying here, he's taking a significant haircut. Like if he's going to sign an extension with the Leafs, it'll be a short-term extension. So one to three years at a significant haircut. Like yeah. five, if I'm doing it, five, between five and six million is what I'm giving him. So it's just part of the transition. And, and when And there's nothing wrong with it. This isn't to sit here and knock John Tavares. It's just the fact that like the guy is, is, no, it's just it's natural. He's on the back, it's the evolution yeah. of an athlete. He's on the back nine of his career, especially when you're not a fleet of foot. Like say what you want about Patty Marlowe. like that guy could skate until he retired. You know, like John Tavares is not is not that guy. But look at look at look at Corey Perry for example. I know I know that's not the best comparison in terms of personalities, but Corey Perry led the league in points and was a Hart Trophy winner and was an Olympic gold medalist and was a perennial point getter at the top of the league and he eventually just wasn't able to do that and became an absolute menace as a bottom six hockey player and John Tavares is at that point in his career where he's gonna kind of have to make that decision but if you look at this roster they they got who's who's replacing this guy as the second line center there's nobody you can give Domi a few looks up Domi is not a centerman okay he's not well then Max if you want your best hockey team Max Domi is not playing center okay it, it is not. I'm not replacing John Tavares with Max Domi as a centerman. It's not happening. Tavares, what is Tavares like? Almost sixty percent in the draw. Like no. Like come on. That 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 that's a little. You're getting a little out there with that. So take. where I'm would you put lie. Max Domi? They just need a better third line center to play with Max Domi on the third line. That's yeah, true. Or you put or you just put Bertuzzi down. You put Domi on the second line. So a few minutes. Ago, I'm not having Ma- Max Domi. You're not winning anything with Max Domi as your second line setter. So it's not happening. So a few a few uh, minutes ago, I was like, well, Keith's elevating everybody. Maybe they don't need a depth piece at forward, but you're, you still are of the belief that if, so what would you do? 
You've got a chance to go and get a defenseman at the deadline that's going to improve. This is all under the guise of, I don't think they should be mortgaging their future for a rental. But let's just say, hypothetically, you've got a chance to add to your forward depth or you've got a chance to go get a, a defenseman. Which one are you doing? I think you have to go get a defenseman. Like you absolutely have to. That is an absolute need. That that is like it's not even close. But this is the problem with this team. They need so many different things that they won't be able to satisfy at the deadline. Even if they are going to trade away first round picks and third round picks or whatever, they just don't. They need so much. They need three guys, basically. They need a, a competent third-line center so Domi can stop playing center, and then they need two defensemen. I know everyone's playing well and everyone's being elevated right now. That's all well and good, but that that that's not going to happen. When you play the Florida Panthers in the first round, Like that's not going to matter. In, in, in regards to Austin Matthews, like if, if, I, if John Tavares takes the C off and puts it on Austin Matthews, okay, that's all well and good, but what does that really do? At the end of the day, Austin Matthews, whether he's wearing an A or a C, it's his hockey team. Everybody knows it. And when it comes time to play the Florida Panthers in the first round, it doesn't matter what letter he's wearing on his jersey. He is the leader of this hockey team, and he has to play like it. And he has to go, he has to play like the way he's playing right now in the playoffs. I don't care what letter is on his jersey. At the end of the day, I think that's it's it's a nice little conversation to have on a podcast. But to me, it means it means nothing. I think that type of symbolism does matter to to guys in that room. And I think when you look at this team, I've I've sat here all season and gone the vibes, the vibes, the vibes are all off, the vibes are all off, the vibes are wrong. I just think a symbolic turning of the page. I just think that makes sense. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah. But, but I mean, Dougie Gilmore wasn't wearing the C in '93. No, look, he wasn't. look what he did. No, it's so true. it's, it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, Austin Matthews has to be the best hockey player on the planet come April. Yes. What, no matter what, especially if they no matter what letter he's wearing, and he's he's old enough, he's mature enough. What is Austin Matthews not going to say something in the room because John Tavares is wearing the C? Like that's ridiculous. Like, come on. But I, I get what you're saying. I, like it, it is. It is kind of like, okay, Austin's the captain now. And, and especially, like, look what happened to Blake Wheeler in Winnipeg yes. when they went to him and they said, we don't want you to be the captain anymore. I'm sure that kind of had an effect on everybody and had an effect on him. It is kind of, I don't want to say like a slap in the face, but it is kind of like, I just when you go up to a guy and you say, I don't want to be, I want, we don't want you to be the captain anymore. We want this guy to be the captain. It is kind of awkward. I, but Ryan, John Tavares is at a point in his career where he's about to leave the territory. And he's got to drop the title to the number one guy in the promotion. And that's really all this is. It's just symbolic he, of he a transition. He was never the number one guy in the promotion. It was... Well, when, when they, they gave put him, the... They put the C on him because Austin Matthews was still a young guy at the time. And especially when Babcock was coaching, we all know how much Mike Babcock Loves loved him. veterans and guys who've been there. And that that's, that's what this is about. And it's, and it's just... They could have changed it over over the past couple seasons, but at the end of the day, it doesn't. I don't know. It's just Austin Matthews just has to play. <laughs> I just don't think it matters, really. I don't. Okay. I don't think it matters. Okay, moving on. I want to do a bit of a deep dive to end this episode on this. The Leafs' record without Morgan Riley and like a lot being made of it, and I think a lot of it is because like like we talked about. 
the team being galvanized by losing their top defenseman. We talked about Keefe being forced to elevate guys like a Lilligren after losing their top defenseman. But what I want to know is, is there something about the way Riley plays or the positions he's put in or something like that that makes, that kind of hurts them defensively? For me, I think if you look at the guy's ice time, night in and night out, He's always one of the t- he's always one of the top guys that Keith is constantly putting out there game in and game out. And I think the the way Riley plays is he's not he's an sort of an offense first defenseman. I think he's having a great year this year and I think he's a core piece of this team and to be quite honest with you if you were going to have a tran- uh, we're talking about transitioning the C if if Tavares is going to transition the C, Matthews is number 1 on the list and Morgan Riley's number 2. But why does this team have the record it does sans Morgan Riley? It's a, that's a million-dollar question. It's, it's a very good question. Um, I think just what what we said at the start, just guys get elevated. I don't know. It is very it is hard to – T.J. Craig, Brody – Craig looks, Simpson was, was kind of puzzled on the broadcast, being like, this is very strange. It actually makes no sense. T.J. Brody looks – there's a significant di- difference in TJ Brody now that he's not playing with Morgan Riley anymore. And I'm not saying that it's Morgan Riley's fault. I'm not saying that at all. Last year, Luke Shen was a fantastic partner for Morgan Riley. So what this tells me in these few games he's been out now and watching other guys around him and watching the team plays is it's two things. One, I think the type of player Morgan Riley is requires a very specific partner, a TJ, uh, not TJ Brody, excuse me, a Luke Shen type, like Luke Shen's not jumping up into the rush ever. And so I think a big, sturdy, stable, stay-at-home guy is the ideal partner for Morgan Riley. And I think just, I don't think the guy needs to rack up huge minutes every night. I think it it impacts the way a guy like Timothy Lilligren, like he doesn't get his touches and he doesn't get, like I do think, I, I think you hit it. I think minutes do matter. I, yes. I think the minutes matter because if you look at the, the Leafs defense core over the past couple of seasons has not been very good offensively. No. Like they they are they're at the bottom of the league when it comes to offense contributed by defensemen. You look at the year Morgan Riley's having this year, he's got forty three points in fifty games. Fantastic. But yeah, I think I think if you were to look at it, the only thing you could really say is just yeah, I guess you could play just Couple less shifts. I don't and know. And they need to find Get guys in the groove. He needs a specific partner. Like he needs a guy who who is a lot more. There's stable. There's, a, there's another need. Yeah, add, add that to the pot. Well, that well, if you're going out and looking for a defenseman, that's the type of defenseman you're looking for. Yeah, is is a stay at home guy. You're not looking for another guy who can jump up into the rush and provide provide offense. I'm never going to say that this team. I'm not gonna lie. Watching them without Tavares kind of gets your brain thinking a bit. Being like that, maybe, maybe having this guy not in the lineup is. Well, it's not it, even, it gives you a preview hold of on, what. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Not, it's not not in the lineup. It's not having this guy make eleven million bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's you, you don't need this guy making eleven million for what he does. Yes. That that I'm watching the games and I'm like, this is kind of a nice little preview of of a guy not making eleven, 11 million, million in the lineup. Be making eleven yeah, exactly. million at this point in his career, but I'm not okay. looking at it. 
that way with Riley. It's no, no. I'm not saying that like this team is better without Morgan Riley. I think, but you could, but you could make the argument yes, though, the, based the off the record. To... Like uh, the, st- the the record without him is ridiculous. I think the way the coach deploys the player and who he plays with makes a massive difference. That's what I think. Yeah, I. It's just. Chris Versteeg has said this on 590 all year. Look, we're coming full circle to how we started the episode. That a lot of the issue, a lot of the issue the Leafs have with their depth players is the fact that they don't play enough and they don't get touches and they don't get engaged in the game. And I think you see that with some of these other defensemen, as Timothy Lilligren in particular. Like, look at the guy when you're giving him power play opportunities. Look at the guy when he's out there in top four situations. He looks like a completely different. Like, is he perfect? No. He's going to make mistakes, but again, it's just further proof that he's engaged and you don't need to rely on the same five guys over and over and over again. I mean, you look at the the, the plus minus is pretty, I know plus minus doesn't really factor much into the NHL anymore for some people, but Morgan Riley's a, a plus one and TJ Brody's a plus 16. Like, how do you, how do you explain that? Like that, that, that's very odd to me. Yeah, I mean that, that's for a guy who we've dunked on all year. He's he's literally plus sixteen. Well, you know, like that that's kind of strange. I'm just saying. Well, no, but it's you look at the way some of these other guys are performing, like Jake McCabe and Simone Benoit. Simone Benoit is the savior this season. Yeah, like this is a guy who they brought in on a flyer. Who that that Ducks team that you watched on Saturday night cut him was like, you're not good enough to play for us. He's (laughs) that's a joke. That is a joke. (laughs) That team's awful. Yeah, he's come in here and he's and it's just what I always say about Leaf Nation and why I can't stand people going. It's so hard to play here. They have it so hard here. It's like Simone Benoit is a guy who is nowhere close to the most talented guy in the league, but he works his balls off on every single shift and he lays the body. He works hard. He's a fan favorite. He dropped the gloves the other night against a very tough individual. And I know the fight didn't go very long, but... He still dropped the bits against one of the toughest guys in the league. Says all the right things in the media, just talks about how grateful he is to be here. And yeah. like you see the clips of him in the in the dressing room when he gets the belt and he's you like What I like I about him too is the quotes for that when he got cut, he was pissed off. Yes. He was pissed off. And yes. he came here and he started in the minors and he just wasn't gonna be denied. And I know we're not talking about an all star here, but no. it's been a big factor for this hockey. Yeah, he has. He's been awesome. And I think he he and McCabe are a great pairing. Yeah. Jake McCabe is is another guy who you know what we that guy's face yeah. right now is you've got whoa there are times where I think Jake McCabe needs to be a little more measured and with his puck movement but that was a great pickup by Kyle Dubas to get him with term and he's a guy who is like a stable sturdy guy who doesn't shy away from physical stuff lays beautiful hits if someone comes up to him and wants to drop the mitts he's more than game always that like guy's he's, face right now yeah I don't he's, know a, he's how an he animal sleeps comfortably he's, he's a warrior I'm high sticks and that guy's gotten the face over the past three weeks like they've like, got him shit. again next year for two million bucks. Yeah, they're gonna when they got no like. Look at them. Yes, him and him and Riley are the only guys who have, have contracts under- going into next season. Yeah, so I'd like you got to tip your hat to Kyle Dubas for that one. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, you take a look at the week. The, the Riley thing is, it's very. I don't have a good answer for it. I really don't. I think I. I think. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think it just further illustrates that one of, 
if not the biggest issue with this hockey team since it started this year is the guy behind the bench. Like, it's pretty simple. We've talked about ice time. We've talked about how losing key players galvanizes them because the head coach could like he just can't motivate them how many times in this head coach's tenure have we talked about crappy effort and not being ready to play over and over and over again and so right now they're they're winning because the head coach has been forced into a situation that he doesn't he he, like he's just he has to play these guys i don't want to be that guy either but Two of those three games were against teams that came out and put forth a pretty mediocre effort. Okay, I don't want to be that guy, but well, if if, if if there's, I'm sure there's some cynic out there who has that take. No, for sure. But I sat here last weekend and cried my eyes out about how they lost to a non. I know, I know that that's a problem. I know that's a it's it's you can't win. Yes, they can't win. They you you beat a crap. It's like when they went on the West Coast and they beat the crap out of all those teams and they came back and everyone had to take that. Well, they played against some pretty lesser teams, but yet all year we've been complaining about how they lose to lesser teams. Yes. So they, they can't win. They really can't. Well, I mean, they like, they got a tough stretch yeah. coming up here yes. though. Yes. I mean, they got the blues, which we'll see what the blues come out with. Cause I wasn't really impressed with what I saw last week, but we know what happens when they go to the desert. They suck. I am just oh, they I are awful. I, in the I, desert. Al- I always get fired up to watch a game in that barn. Yeah, we got a lot. We got two Yotes games. We got two Golden Knights games. The Avalanche. Got the Avalanche. The Rangers. The Bruins coming. The Bruins up. twice again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're oof. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the the Flyers. They're like we're well into March now, but like the Flyers, the Hurricanes. Look at this. Philly, Philly, yeah, Philly. They play a lot of teams both twice. in Philly. Yeah. The Oilers. Like, yeah, they've got a, they've, you know what? This comes back to the take that we've heard that you brought up last week, which is maybe down the stretch. I was actually watching, um, I was, I was with a friend the other night and they had the, when the Leafs were playing the Flyers, they had the Philadelphia Flyers feed on and and the analyst was like, you know, for this Leaf team, I don't think necessarily fighting in a playoff spot against all these good teams down the stretch is the worst thing for them. And that's something you mentioned last week. And that's something that um, I know Justin Bourne has talked about, about like the excitement of like, they're not because the last what three years by this time in the season, we, they've been well yeah. into a yeah. playoff oh, yeah. spot and they were playing. The I forget who Bay originally Lightning. had that take who I credited. It might've been Elliot, but yeah, that, that was the original or might've been Luke Fox. I don't know. But it, I thought that was a decent take. I mean, if you look at, the standings right now, like there's, there's no way they're they're missing the play. Well, I, I just, they, it's not unless they just go. Like, they have some tough games. I mean, the Devils, the Devils are kind of there now, but and they still got three games in hand on the Lightning. One who got thing smashed against the Panthers. One thing we need, one thing we need to talk about quickly before we go. A lot of the 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 attention lately has been on, rightly so, Austin Matthews goal scoring. Bobby McMahon stepping up, all that stuff. Elias Samsonov has come back and been very solid. There's a goal here and a goal there that I'm sure he would like back, but this guy, when he got sent down to the Marlies, we and everyone else who covers this team was sitting here talking about how this guy is done, we'll never see him in a Leaf uniform again, and right now, if you're going into the playoffs, depending on how Joe Wall progresses if you're the playoffs started tomorrow, Elias Samsonov is starting game one in the net for yeah, the main percent And so I think we we I didn't want to leave today without without saying that because he you can you can 
criticized stuff in the last, like, but before this three game win streak, but you got to tip your hat to that guy. We also that... didn't talk enough about, oh, can, we, can we also look at the Panthers or a point ahead of the Bruins yeah. now? I oh, yeah. totally gapped on that. If if you're if you're we could be going we could be going to TD Garden Arena. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's a better matchup for them. Well, gonna... so you're kind of, but that's the thing, right? That, like I never thought I would ever say that, but that I actually think that's a better matchup for them. I'm kind of at the point where I look at this and I go, I want them to finish in a place where they don't have to play the Panthers. Yeah, so, that's the last team you want them play. So you want them to if like right now. You'd want them finishing third in the division because they play the Bruins. Well, I, it, it, honestly, it, it I think the best case scenario would them the be finishing in the first wild card spot and playing the Rangers. Yes, that yes. that would be because that we see them play the Rangers. They always play the Rangers pretty the well. The Rangers are a good matchup for them because the Rangers aren't a team that is yeah. is going to out like, physically. Truba's a bit of a dink, yeah. but other than that, I I they always play them well. But I never thought I would ever say that. I would rather be playing the Boston Bruins than playing the Florida Panthers. The the Florida Panthers, you and I need to stop doing. You and I have had multiple occasions on this pod this year where we've gushed about the Florida Panthers. But I just got to say, the thing that blows my mind about the Florida Panthers is, you know, Paul Maurice steps down as head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. The Panthers pick him up. And we're all sitting here going, what? The, like, Paul Maurice. Like, that's kind of a random, like, kind of a random way to go. They have the moment last year in Scotiabank Arena where he absolutely goes berserk on them. And since that happened, they have been the most complete, dialed in, dangerous team. Yes, they lost in the final to the, to the Golden Knights, but they are. The reason why they're such a bad matchup for the Leafs is the physicality and nastiness that every guy on that team plays with. That whole team has assumed Matthew Kachuk's, and this is brings us full circle. We're talking about Austin Matthews and what it's and it's important. I know um, Matthew Kachuk's not the captain, but you said you know Matthews has to be the leader come playoff time. And when you look at the the Florida Panthers, that whole team has assumed Matthew Kachuk's identity, and they are. They're a wagon, that yeah, hockey yeah. team. They're, they're really good. They're a yeah. wagon. They're they're a dream. <laughs> they're, they're literally a dream. They they are just everything you'd want out of your hockey team. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think ideally you want you want that first wild card spot, and you, you want yeah, you can't the New York Rangers. Yeah, you There's, want the New York Rangers. That's what yeah. you want. Yeah, I think. I mean, the Red Wings look pretty. They got a big win too. I, I they have a lot of tough games. It's going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I I do think the point of them playing tough hockey games going to, coming down the stretch is it, is it is a good thing for them. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. How about those Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. 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 They need to start having a conversation there about Sid. Yeah. Because I think they on. need, Dubas is learning, he needs a full-on like rebuild there. Yeah. And I think moving off Sid is the first part of that, but. Hey. Yeah. All right. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back uh, this time next week. I think right now we're talking before the uh, the episode that we're going to stick on a one episode a week pace. Now, as we get closer to the deadline, we'll start ramping that up to two. And then obviously, as we get into the playoffs, we do our post game after every playoff game. The, the subscribers, the new subscribers and the engagement 
on these YouTube videos and these episodes has been unbelievable. The comments, unbelievable. It's honest. I'm honestly overwhelmed. Like you, you were saying before we hit play here that like, it just blows you away. The amount of like comments and debate that we get on our videos and we really appreciate it. It's amazing. So if you want to stick, if you're new and you're just checking us out for the first time and you want to ride with us for the rest of the season, hit that like and subscribe button below. If you're listening to the audio version, leave a comment, leave a review. Every little bit helps. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week.